Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with today's edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. In today's program, we explore how married couples can recover from infidelity and why exploring trauma issues is important to this healing process. To help us dive deep into this topic, we have Ryan and Jessica McDaniel as our guests. Ryan and Jessica are both licensed professional counselors with over 10 years of experience in helping couples address infidelity and betrayal in redemptive and hopeful ways. If you've experienced infidelity in your marriage, or if you know someone who has, this episode will help you gain hope and ideas for a way forward. To learn more about Ryan and Jessica, visit mcdanielcounseling.org. For more resources, visit bebroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now let's dive into today's conversation with Ryan and Jessica. All right. Well, Ryan and Jessica McDaniel, how are you guys doing? Great. We're doing good. Thanks. Good. It's good to have you on here. Uh, You know, Jessica, we had you on the program. I was looking and it was actually three and a half years ago because it was November, December timeframe of 2018. Uh, Yeah, it's been a while, right? it doesn't yes. really feel that long, but um, you were on here and you were talking about, you actually did two episodes with us. One, you were talking about when the yeah. betrayed spouse cheats too, and then also how uh, confession and disclosure for couples. And so uh, listeners, viewers, if you want to go back to that, go into our archives back to November and December of 2018, and you can find those episodes mm-hmm. with Jessica. But um, we get a special treat because we've got you both here today. We've got Jessica and Ryan. So Ryan, welcome your first time to the the program. Thank you. Thank you. I think she's most of the special, but I appreciate the, the comment. <laughs> yeah. We're both special. <laughs> That's right. You, you complete each other. Should we say something like that? You know? <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> But today we're wanting to talk about really uh, dealing with couples in a fair recovery through a trauma lens. But before mm-hmm. we get to that, I would love for you guys to just share um, a little bit of your own story of how you've gotten into this space where you're at now, where both of you are doing counseling work in this in this space mm-hmm. of ministry. So can you share with us a little bit about how both of you got to this point in your lives and careers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's really our story uh, in our marriage is, is, you know, we've experienced infidelity in our marriage. And I think like many counselors, when you've walked through something yourself and seen, you know, the Lord work through that and bring healing and bring change, it just creates this desire to, to join in his ministry to see and help others experience that, that same change as well. And so... Yeah, I mean, we didn't set out for this when we uh, when we were in grad school studying to be counselors. Didn't know this was the path that that he'd have for us, but uh, it's the one that that he's laid out. And um, yeah, it's just been our our joy to be able to walk alongside people and helping them heal from infidelity as well. Yeah, we didn't know that when we were both going through our graduate program at Denver Seminary that we would be counseling together one day. That was, I think, maybe in the back of our minds, maybe one day we could do something similar, but we both had a passion for counseling. And so like Ryan said, just our personal story and then getting trained has just like been woven together in a really beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the questions I want to start out with is just, um, 
when a couple has faced infidelity of some sort, and we're and I guess today we want to set it up too, where um, we're talking about any kind of infidelity. It could be the the husband that is unfaithful, it could be the wife that is unfaithful. We're just talking about um, there being a brokenness in the sexual relationship because of an affair, some kind of adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, where does a couple even start when when after discovery is is made uh, however that happens and there's a sense of like what do we do now where do you start with a couple in terms of that whole process of recovery well first i would say yes to, to definitely get help um, <laughs> this is not something you want to try to walk through together um and even having you know a good support network around you, friends, um, you know, it's probably not going to be um, all the help that you need to help process what has happened and, and help the marriage and recovery. So first step I would say is, is try to get professional help and uh, whether, you know, someone I think specifically who works with uh, couples who've been through infidelity or some kind of program that, that specializes in that. Yeah. And we, a lot of times get people coming to us who want to jump straight into doing marriage work, Mm -hmm. who maybe have never stepped foot in a counseling office or who may um, not have ever done any sort of like individual healing or work. And so oftentimes we will ask for people to come in individually first, just to assess where are you in this process? Because excuse me, maybe it's been very recent or maybe it's been a long time. And so we want to get, you know, an individual perspective first and then decide what's best for them as a couple. So there's kind of the you, the me, and then the us that we try to work with. And so usually by the time um, we talk to someone, they either know that they're ready to do couples work or they're still trying to figure that out. But usually something individual and then something as a couple is is where we would start. And is that is that pretty standard for most couples, or do you kind of even have to make an assessment couple by couple? Because are some couples maybe ready mm-hmm. to go into more of just the marriage work, and others aren't? How do you determine who is yeah. and who isn't? Yeah, I mean, it, we definitely have to evaluate couple by couple, but it seems like couples with a strong support system. Um, And again, couples who maybe one or both of the individuals already have been doing counseling or have done some sort of a program um, are ready to do that work. We also work with an organization called Affair Recovery. It's kind of like an emergency crisis intervention for couples going through infidelity here in Austin, Texas. And if a couple has gone through something like that, they might be ready to go ahead and do some sort of work or marriage work as a couple. But usually you need to do some sort of triage or crisis counseling and recovery support first, and then you can be able to assess, okay, what's the next best thing? I think there's, I agree. There's just so many factors that that can play into it. That's going to be different from couple to couple. Um, And one of the main things I think is just the, I think we'll talk about this, but the impact of, of the betrayal and the trauma that might be present mm-hmm. can also determine, you know, what, what kind of path you take forward and how, you know, we do want to work with couples kind of as quickly as we can, but have to have to take those things into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of makes me um, uh, it kind of makes me think of an old quote from a, a college coach, John Wooden. And he would always, mm-hmm. he would say something like, uh, be quick, but don't be in a hurry. 
So it's yeah. kind of like there is an urgency to what you're wanting yes. to deal with, but you don't want to rush it, right? Because yes. there is so much that you've got, so many layers that you have to unpack there. But let's talk mm-hmm. about definitions for just a second. Um, first of all, just what is trauma? How would you define that? And then what role does it play both in the the brokenness aspect, like the infidelity, but then also how does it, how do you address it as part of the recovery? So first of all, just what's a basic definition that you would give for trauma? I like your definition. Yeah. Okay. So maybe in a basic sense, I would say real or perceived threat or danger, mm-hmm. and it causes the body, the brain to go into a place of distress. And so maybe the danger is ever present, or maybe there is fear of something upsetting, dangerous happening. But regardless, the brain um, goes into an activated state of, oh no, or danger, or something is wrong. And it activates um, a system, the, the fight, flight, or fear response and so it is um, essentially a way of telling your brain and your body, you need to pay attention. Something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Would you add to that? Um, yeah, I would just say to, to the extent that not all infidelity is traumatizing, you know, and people will handle that differently. But to the, the extent that someone is traumatized, you know, they're disintegrated within themselves will impact how much they're be they'll they're able to engage in the healing process in, in the relationship, and so that's why it's such an important thing to talk about um, to help uh, clients understand and identify is this this is part of the healing process before we kind of jump into other things, talking about obviously what happened um, and and how that's impacted uh, the 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 betrayed partner in, in particular. And how does, are, are there, are there sort of degrees to trauma? Because I think sometimes people hear the word trauma and they just want to have a static singular definition that applies in every way to everyone. Are there layers or even degrees to trauma? And what, what are kind of the delineations between the different types of trauma? Yeah. I mean, I feel like people write um, so many different types of books on this. So if you want to take a deep dive, we could um, make a few recommendations. But I like how Andy Kolber um, in her book, Try Softer, breaks it up into big T and little t trauma. And so little t trauma would be something that is distressing, but maybe doesn't have as long of a lasting impact. And big T trauma would be something that um, probably most people would agree on is a distressing event. So big T, little t um, trauma helps me uh, think about the distinctions and uh, to the point to which that event sticks with you and stays with you and permeates or affects your day-to-day life or relationships or conversations. So some people in a state of trauma or distress, they may seem cool, calm, and collected, and the impact of an event hits them later. And other people might immediately shut down or immediately um, cry or become overwhelmed. So there's a lot of different looks to trauma, um, which is, I think, a part of the complexity of it. And, and you might think that the nature of the, the infidelity would translate directly to the trauma response. And that's just not true in so many cases. You know, you, I mean, there, I think probably are some correlations between that, but 
you know, I think what we've experienced is uh, what you might consider like a lesser infidelity. It's all infidelity. It's all serious. Right. But, you know, a wife catching her husband looking at pornography. Right. Versus uh, a woman finding out that her husband of 30 years has been, you know, with uh, with prostitutes that whole time. Right. Different different things going on, different scale, certainly different consequences, different impact. But I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, um, you, you can't necessarily draw a line between um, how those different experiences and and the trauma response. It's really so much based on on the individual and how how it impacts them. And so uh, that's, I think, an important thing to learn and for you know mm-hmm. clients we work with to to be able to come to terms with from themselves because you, you can so easily get into comparisons, right? Of like, well, I, should I be having this response or shouldn't I? Your your own response is is your own and that's what makes it important and worth looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I, so what I'm hearing is that trauma is very uh, personal. It's personalized yeah. uh, to each individual. Um, how much does someone's personal historical wounds play into their trauma response when they discover a betrayal in their marriage? Um, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think was the, the way that Jessica answered this. Um, I mean, I think it, so it, it yeah, plays so much into it. Um, and also to, into resiliency, you know, so um, someone who's, who's been through a lot of, of difficult things, but has, has worked on it, has healed, they, they might also bring in a higher resiliency mm-hmm. than someone who hadn't experienced those same things. And so, um, but I, I think what we do find is that, I mean, certainly people who have experiences of, of big T trauma, sexual abuse, uh, I think statistically are more likely to have infidelity. Um, and then there's the, the whole world of just relational trauma, attachment trauma, Certainly, that that plays a huge role into um, how uh, how that later plays out in adulthood and in a marriage. Yeah, it's it's kind of twofold. On one hand, um, the degree to which you've experienced heightened trauma in childhood can play into even your vulnerability to be unfaithful in the marriage, and it can impact your ability to to deal with and handle that trauma if you're the one that is betrayed or the unfaithful. And so it's as if we have to monitor and get an assessment of, of everyone's history of trauma, the way that they're um, impacted by the current infidelity situation. So it feels like we're peeling back all these different layers. And sometimes it kind of unfolds in a really um, like a helpful, understandable way. And other times it's really confusing and you don't really realize how much trauma exists until sometimes you're a few months in um, to working mm-hmm. with a client, and you're wondering why they're so you know just stuck, yeah. you know, and, and wondering how we can get them unstuck. And then you find out, oh, they finally feel you know comfortable or just open up to sharing an experience they had, you know, when they were young, and mm-hmm. and realizing, you know, being willing to realize how much of an impact that's having on them now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm about to ask may seem like a stupid question because of all that we've just shared up to this point, but I like to still ask direct questions. So why is it important to address trauma in a fair recovery? And how is that different maybe from older models of dealing with a fair recovery? I mean, because 
I think in, in some ways I could be wrong. I'd love for you guys to correct me if I am wrong. Uh, but it feels like it's been more of a recent uh, and mm-hmm. recent meaning the last 10 plus years, you know, uh, way to deal with betrayal is through a trauma lens versus maybe some ways that happened before. Why is it important to deal with the trauma elements in a fair recovery? And have you seen differences between that and what maybe some older models might've been? Yeah. I mean, and I would love to hear your thoughts on what some of those older models have been. The main one coming to mind would be the codependency model Mm -hmm. um, in associating infidelity with something um, wrong or broken only in the system. And there is a brokenness in the system, but I feel like that's what I remember. Um, so our infidelity was, was you know, 10 to 12 years ago. And so I feel like we were just right on the cusp of learning about it one way, but then experiencing the benefit of healing a different way, which was a little confusing. So we've been kind of learning and adapting as we go. But um, for the longest time, I think the codependency model was one of those older models that said, if you can um, be less needy in the marriage for sometimes, you know, stereotypically the betrayed wife and um, more loving and empathetic and appreciative as the unfaithful man, um, you won't need to be unfaithful in the marriage. And there are probably proponents of this model that can speak to it better than I can. But um, in most of the older models, what it seems to be is that they're limited. Um, They're limited in the multifaceted nature of how complex this this issue really is. It's, It's so tied into our core childhood wounds is, is a belief that we have and that we see. And it really is a personal thing that you carry into marriage. So I remember when we were doing early years of healing, um, one of our counselors, um, based on my childhood history, could have predicted that I would have been unfaithful in the mm-hmm. marriage. And my jaw just dropped as if like, what do you mean? How could you have known that I would have been susceptible to something like this? I would have never in a million years thought that, but just based on some of the work, the trauma-informed care that he was coming from, he could um, give us some insight into those earlier vulnerabilities and um, even just our own attachment patterns. So this is like a really big topic, and I don't know if I'm doing it justice, so I'm going to let no, Ryan. I think, I think you <laughs> are. There's just a lot to unpack, you know, and I, you mentioned the older models. I wish they were older than they are. They're, they're still very much present. And a lot of people we meet with have seen marriage counselors. And, um, you know, that uh, I was just reading about this today, how important it is to be uh, precise when you're working with couples who've been through infidelity because they're so fragile and in such crisis and in so much pain that any, any misstep mm-hmm. uh, can really add to that. Um, and, uh, and so I think, unfortunately, um, you know, people try to get the best help they can and people try to help the best they can. Right. But, uh, when we make the mistake of, of focusing on the problem is in the marriage without addressing first and foremost, the infidelity, what happened, how has that impacted us, um, and the betrayed spouse in particular, how has that impacted them? Mm-hmm. Um, we really do, um, yeah, are not appreciating the true impact of, of infidelity. And I think as we've learned more generally about the the impact of trauma on on all of us, right? That's that's also brought in 
uh, that more to the surface of of infidelity work too. If like this this isn't while it's not always a traumatic experience for everyone, it usually is. You know, it mostly is, and so um, in a, in order to treat that, we need to to see it as such. Yeah, that's really good. And and uh, Jessica, respond to you about just kind of some of the older models. I I I look at modeling as like, listen, every model is going to have an imperfection about it. In other words, there's not an exhaustive model that says this one model covers all situations perfectly and everything. So I think even when you're dealing like through the trauma lens, the trauma model, you're saying, hey, what we're going to be doing is we're really going to be focusing on the the individual realities that this means for this person. Mm-hmm. Even that doesn't cover the whole aspect of not only that one person, but also the relationship. And so I'm one of these people yeah. that uh, I kind of think of of uh, psychological models the same way I think of like reading literature. You know, it's like, hey, you know, pull out the good and toss the rest, you know? So <laughs> as you're looking at these various mm-hmm. models, because even when you mentioned yeah. the codependent model, Yes, I think there's been a, a lot of a lot of unnecessary damage that was done to a lot of betrayed partners because of the um, the false responsibility that they felt for yeah. their spouse's behavior, and that is the that's like a trauma on a trauma. Um, <laughs> and, but on the one hand. There's one little sliver, I think, that was sort of buried in that model that says, you know what? We all have brokenness. There's all, all of us have personal brokenness that nobody comes to the marriage and says, I'm the perfect one and that's the broken one. And so I think in that regard, there was an aspect to that model that's probably good for couples to hear, but not on the front end and certainly not to the betrayed partner, right? Yeah. So, um, Can you can you talk a little bit because I appreciate you guys bringing even a little bit of your own story in here in terms of how how you kind of feel like, hey, we were kind of coming in on the front end of some of this this new model coming around. How have you navigated that over the years in terms of being able to address old wounds and come to a place of greater healing than had you had maybe or maybe you did have some of the old model teaching that was saying you bear a responsibility that's not yours. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Mm-hmm. You want me to start yeah. on that one? So from my experience, because um, with our story, Ryan's sexual addiction came out a few years into our marriage. And then my infidelity happened after that, my extramarital infidelity. And so we we both acted out um, sexually um, early years in the marriage. So we were a hot mess is probably the best way I know how to put it. Yeah, it's a clinical and term. It's a clinical hot diagnosis, <laughs> hot mess. Um, and so I, but I was the first one that started therapy. And so in a way, you know, looking back hindsight uh, 2020, but I began therapy because I truly felt like I was more messed up than Ryan was and kind of had this mindset um, on one hand as a betrayed spouse, but because my infidelity had greater consequences being extramarital, um, I, I truly felt like I need to do the work and then our relationship can heal. And some of that was my own stuff. Nobody specifically told me that, but I think we operated in a way that seemed to make that seemed to make the most sense. And so it wasn't until later that we, after we did a lot of counseling kind of the wrong way and we got 
good enough healing, I think, to get to the point where we were. But I feel like we kind of pieced it together um, because, again, a lot of emphasis was focused on the marriage and getting us healthy and healed. And nobody ever walked us through a full disclosure. Mm -hmm. Um, So we learned about full disclosure as counselors doing work with a fair recovery. And now we don't usually let clients get away without doing one. And so we're very quick to say, hey, we went about this kind of piecemeal. And now that we know what we know, we wish we would have had access to that, but we've done that along the way. So as we've worked with clients and done our own counseling work, we've done full disclosures. And so we've kind of done things um, in our own way. Yeah, that's, I don't know what I can add to that, but to just, yeah, just to emphasize, you know, I think especially as counselors, um, you know, if you're not, if you're not personally growing, then you're probably not really helping your clients, right? So, um, and that's something that we've, I think, taken, taken seriously in our lives um, and certainly needed for our marriage, uh, being in a, in a place of, of crisis to, to realize, gosh, we've got to really work on ourselves and learn how to do things very differently in our marriage if we if we want this to last. And I think, you know, as an outcome, that's that's made us and continues to make us uh, better therapists. And I'm sure we'll look back, you know, two years, I mean, two months from now <laughs> at, at the way that we're working with clients and then, and again, looking at ourselves and where we're at in our recovery and say, oh, gosh, you know, I've learned I've learned more and I feel more confident in this. And I think that's, you know, just part of, part of growing. Um, yeah. I think we've realized in our story being, you know, more than 10 years out from really the initial impact, uh, there's still so much that, that we're growing in and, and have mm-hmm. to grow in. And, and as we've gone deeper into our stories and learning more about and sharing about like our attachments, uh, there's still so much that, that we're figuring out. Uh, in that. Yeah. So, and that's the hard part, but it's exciting as well. Yeah. I think as we're all on this growth mission, you know, one of the things is as I'm rapidly approaching uh, 50, I think, you know, I've finally figured out how to be a 20 year old, you know? So it's kind of like, <laughs> right. that's how life is. You're right. never really good at where you're at, but you're, you could be good at where yes. you were, you know, 50 years ago. Well, um, yes. I want to ask a couple more questions. One is how does a, how does a, uh, a Christian understanding of life and sin and God and the gospel, how does that align with what you're doing in trauma-informed therapy? Mm, That's a really big question. Yeah. Wow. That's a good one. Where I would start um, again is, so we're using the word attachment a lot, but um, kind of along with a trauma lens, we would say we also work from like an attachment-based perspective. And so our security and an identity with Christ as Christians really sets the stage and the foundation for all that we do personally with one another and then with our clients. And so I would say the way that we um, integrate a lot of that is first through this, if I'm struggling or we're struggling, it means that I probably am off base, you know, in my relationship with God, that there's some sort of disconnect or um, something that I, that I can look at and gain through God first before I go um, look at myself or others. So in, in my mind, it's like even another foundation of like identity, security, stability, and allowing that to then inform 
how we work with each other and others. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that is kind of what you're <laughs> asking yeah. about. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say the Bible is is full of trauma. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't call it that, you know, but it's full of people and just. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really difficult circumstances, feeling overwhelmed, feeling alone, mm-hmm. um, feeling desperate. And um, I think what we learn is like that, that what we know and have confidence is, is, is God is, is present in all those those things. And he cares about us. He cares about our well-being. He doesn't just, he's just not interested in only some kind of end result, right? First and foremost, he's a God that that wants to draw near and care for our hearts. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that that brings us back to a place and with our, our clients of just wanting them to experience that, that care, uh, from God and like, and trying to impart that, that to them as well. And so I've got one more question, um, uh, before we point people to your resource and everything, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see that couples have when you're inviting them to really engage their trauma? Do you have resistance to that or do you have, what are some of the biggest difficulties that people have in stepping into that kind of care? Yeah, I think um, for couples through going through infidelity, it can, it can usually be pretty um, relieving in, in a way to, to use the word trauma, especially for the betrayed spouse. It's really, you know, um, permission giving. Yeah. Giving them permission to, to acknowledge in a deeper way, like what's going on for them and how this is impacting them. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah. What would you, would you add to that? Yeah. So on one hand, I think it's relieving for a lot of people. And then there is at the same time resistance because it brings up identifying pain that they are working really hard, I think, to move away from because mm-hmm. it hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's kind of more nuance to that, but yeah, I see a, like a relief and a hopefulness on one hand, like, okay, so this is, there's common patterns here, right? Like the more that they learn and understand and have awareness, it's kind of like, oh, okay, there's something um, that I can do. There's something that can be done. Hope is possible, but why do you want me to talk about this or that? And so there, there's a lot of confusion and overwhelm and fear about what it could stir up. Um, and mm-hmm. would they be able to actually like overcome that? So I think what we've found is that the initial impact of, of infidelity in and of itself is, is typically traumatic for most people, not always, but almost always there is a, um, a time of like shock and disbelief and, a lot of the normal stages that people go through with grief. But then after a while, um, people really are overwhelmed with how long recovery can take. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people are very um, resistant even further on down the process. So even though the initial impact of the, of the infidelity isn't as painful, just doing the work of like going back and sorting through all the various things that we've, you know, touched on today is really exhausting. I mean, I had a a client in here earlier today who was just overwhelmed by how hard this has been and for how long, and just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to have to go there, but then she's willing. And so I almost always ask if a client is willing, not ready, because 
-hmm. No one's ready for this. Mm -hmm. No one wants to do this kind of work. But if there's a willingness and a belief that, okay, they can do one thing today, okay, like that is manageable. And so we try to like break it up into really like manageable pieces for our clients, especially. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, Ryan and Jessica, thank you so much for your your vulnerability with your own story mm-hmm. and just for, um, and leaning into this, you know, some people, uh, not everybody uh, uh, goes into counseling out of their, you know, histories. So <laughs> the fact that mm-hmm. you guys leaned into this and are helping others, thank you so much for that. And thank you for being part of this conversation, but where can, uh, where would you like to send couples that are listening to this that are just saying, Hey, we need more help. We need mm-hmm. resources. Where would you like to send them? So affairrecovery.com um, is a great resource. They have um, all different kinds of program options for individuals and couples. We have the the honor of working with them on in some of their intensive weekends. And so uh, if you sign up, you might see us there sometime. Yeah. Um, and so that's a great resource. And then obviously couples like looking for uh, work either individually or together, um, yeah. McDanielCounseling.org is uh, is our website you can use that to connect to us others would you say yeah i would say our website we're in the austin area so mm-hmm. um if you're local near us mcdanielcounseling.org and um, our email addresses are on there yeah well thanks again for being here we really enjoyed the conversation thank you so much for having us thank you jonathan yeah well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. We're going to put all that in the show notes so that you can access a fair recovery and the McDaniels counseling uh, practice and just uh, the resources that are there. Um, thank you for being here. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.